0: Welcome to another PI World Podcast. This is an audio only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk where you can find many more videos
1: of interest to investors.
2: I'm delighted to welcome you to our investor update at the mid-year Point. We are, um, as Jim, a behavioral science business keen on change at the speed of life. How do we help ambitious companies to be ready for tomorrow. Normally, I'm joined just by one person, Richard Steele, but today I'm delighted to say we are joined by two, because we are at the process of passing the CFO baton from Richard, who took us through IPO and over the last almost four years, has had a tremendous impact on so many aspects of the business, not least those of you who are keen followers on our cash collections and our cash balances, and who is now moving on to new excitements, And we're incredibly thrilled that Dominic Neary has joined us as our Chief Financial Officer-designate. The actual handover will be on the 31st of December, so there's a lovely month where the two of them will work closely in partnership to ensure everything is done smoothly, rigorously, uh, and with decorum. Um, But at this moment, I'm going to pass over to Don just to introduce himself, where he's come from, why he's here, and then Richard and I will take you through the
1: rest of the investor update. Don. Octavius, thank you very much. And good morning, everyone. Um, Yes, so firstly, just very brief introductions. Very excited to be here. Um, I've been in finance for more than 20 years. Uh, Built up a sort of hybrid CV with with some blue chip background, Unilever, Reckitt Benquisa. And then over the last seven years, I've worked in fast growth technology businesses. Um, So I started at Reckitts 12 years ago as a finance director in Portugal. Um, and then ended up leaving records after uh, 10 years um, as the regional finance director for the North America pharmaceutical business. Um, as I've said, I then moved into technology. So since 2015, I've really been helping high growth tech businesses, um, money supermarkets. i worked there for a number of years, transformed the insurance business, uh, increased the speed of growth there. And at Just Eat, I uh, ran the EU finance organization and was heavily involved in rolling out the, the new delivery platform. So, new investments in technology, starting that very much from the ground up at Just Eat. I'm really excited about this opportunity to join MindGym. Uh, it's a really exciting business. Um, you know, there's such a compelling, strong core business. And then that digital opportunity, both the, the existing IP. The existing potential and the huge digital market opportunity in this space seems extremely compelling, and and of course most importantly, I I want to thank them, the uh, MindGen team, and in particular Richard and the finance team who've done such a great uh, job to date. But of course, you know this is a great business. I'm really excited to be here. I'm really excited to be working uh, with the MindGen team.
2: Dom, thank you so much. A massive welcome. Uh, your experience will hold us in very good stead. Uh, not least to the North American experience as we have big growth uh, ambitions and successes already out there, and in particular on digital. Uh, And we'll be talking more about our digital investments during the course of our time together today. Moving on, I'm going to just briefly uh, share the agenda, which is uh, an overview of the half-year results, digital update on what's happening on our digital transformation plans, and then a brief summary of current trading and outlook. So first of all, let's move to the half-year results. What we said six months ago was that we would uh, plan to return to pre-COVID levels of revenue. And also, I made a slightly bold commitment that if I'm we made a profit, you could hold me to account because the plan is to reinvest in growth, reinvest in marketing, in infrastructure, in innovation, and most of all in digital. And indeed, we have done exactly what we said we would do. We have grown to return to pre-COVID levels, in fact slightly above them, plus 7% in constant currency. We've actually managed to virtually hold on to the gross margin of our reduced business during COVID and is significantly ahead of the gross margin that we had pre-COVID. So that's very good news. And as promised, we have delivered zero PBT as we continue to invest in those important areas for our business and for long-term sustainable growth. We're also pleased that our cash balance is in a good state and that allows us to continue making investments whilst we continue to transform the business. So that's the, the broad summary. it would give you a little bit more detail about the regions uh, and about the mix of products. On regional growth, we're really pleased that the U.S. has grown 12% in constant currency. The U.S. is a massive market for us, obviously has the advantage of being English-speaking and having a similar legislative framework across the nation, and we think there's enormous potential for further accelerated growth here. Emir is back at its pre-COVID levels. There's been a lot more variety in responses to COVID, less consistent approach, and a lot more activity that has made that business a little less certain over the over the past period, and probably still does a little bit now. But we are very focused on growing Emir as well as the US. And I think the really good news uh, for investors and for all of us on the on the right hand side, where basically the blue bit at the top. Is other custom work is when we specifically design consultancy like services for our clients. And that's very valuable to our clients, but it's quite hard to scale. And the good news is that that has reduced as a percentage of revenue. And the other very good news is the digitally enabled and digital aspects, which are the purples and the pinks, are very much bigger. Now, virtual delivery is pretty much where it was during the first phase of the COVID outbreak. And we have 66%. Uh, digitally enabled, which is our live sessions delivered through platforms a bit like this. We also got our actual pure digital, which is at 11%. And that's very encouraging indeed, because that's the the e-workouts before we even launch the new products. So we're seeing a growth in proven, uh, a growth in digital, and a growth in digitally enabled, all of which is incredibly positive. And I'll hand over to Richard now to talk a bit about the the breakdown in in how that revenue is made up, uh, which I think really supports the resilience of the group. Richard, over to you.
0: Many thanks, Octavius. Yes, it's really good that uh, as total revenues bounce back, our revenue at a sector level is looking really encouraging, and it's bounced back in all in all the ways we'd hope and expect it to from a pre-COVID position. So, the chart on the top left really just shows just in, incredibly how diversified we are by sector. Yes, it's changed slightly, we've probably done a bit more in the biotech and pharma space and less in transport and retail areas, as you would expect, but we're really encouraged that we've got that broad diversification. On the top right, you can see a percentage of our revenue that has come from clients that have bought with us in one or more of the previous three years, and you can see that's bounced back to the 92% level that it was two years ago. So that's a really encouraging trend that we like to measure. On the bottom left you can see that just under half 47 percent of our revenue is coming from the top 25 clients but no one particular client we're too dependent on so again that's very very similar to the trend we had pre-covid we've also got a long tail so the large green area sort of four to 500 clients so again we're expanding that as we speak and the bottom right really just shows that of the top 25 clients Many of them continue to spend, not just in the current year, but in the previous years as well. So we're really, really pleased with how the, the sector of our revenue has bounced back to, to where it was before. Um, Back to you, Octavius.
2: Tremendous. Thank you, Richard. Uh, and what I want to talk a bit about now is where we've been investing, investing in areas which we know can pay off and already are beginning to do so. And the first I want to talk about is the thinking the brain science that sits behind everything that we do. And we're really thrilled that we've launched our full white paper, The Inclusion Solution, uh, with a four by, by Trevor Phillips, uh, the founder of the Equality and Human Rights Commission, uh, that really challenges many of the assumptions that organizations have made about how to increase diversity, equity and inclusion. And not least, we've taken on the challenge of unconscious bias training, which makes up about $29 billion a year and produce the evidence that suggests that the impact of this is at best moot and could possibly be inverse, as it does more harm than good on occasion. We've also then taken the research to show what would work, how we focus on reinforcing people's identity and strengths about both feeling unique and about belonging. And we presented our new model of the four cornerstones to build inclusive organisations. And the great news, this has been incredibly well received. uh, And as you can see on the chart, our revenues from DEI have absolutely soared as a proportion of total revenues off the back of this new research paper, new thinking uh, and pioneering work in the field. So this is great for now, but what we want to do is to keep a pipeline of new insight coming. And the next area that we're launching new research on is in leadership development. Now, this is also very interesting because over the years, you'll see that investment leadership development goes up year on year. And yet at the same time, confidence in leaders has gone down year on year. So what we're doing in this new point of view is helping to understand why. What is it about all this leadership development that is stopping leadership from becoming learnable? And we think we've hit on it, and we've shared it with a number of our clients who are incredibly excited And think what we have to say is properly different from anything they've heard before and some of them are are quite long in the tooth in this particular area Uh, and we are already having a number of organizations who are keen for proposals from us on how to introduce this new point of view so we think this will, will will come very good we're going to produce a skinny white paper not the full version to test out with clients more in the next quarter and then i suspect we'll be running products building up case studies of where it's proven to work and then publishing a full white paper in FY23. Hot on the heels of leadership development is well-being, a massive market as you will no doubt have seen with the growth of a number of businesses in the wellness area. We'll be launching our new point of view on that in the year ahead. So that's tremendously positive and at the same time we're not only following our pipeline of innovation, but also responding to situations as we see them, and in particular hybrid working. And in the US, how do you handle situations where you're legally mandated for employees to have vaccinations, but uh, employees choose not to? And a whole range of other areas specifically related to, to COVID, we have come up with not only webinars, but supporting digital and live products to help with that. And adding to our whole intellectual heft, if you like, we have two exciting new members of the academic board both out of NYU, uh, Tessa West's new book comes out in a, in a few months' time, and Jay Van Bevel and Tessa have both already been uh, speaking at our conferences and talking with clients to a tremendous effect. Uh, and actually, on the subject of talking at conferences, the, the, the next area I wanted to just to briefly touch on is our investment in marketing. And we hosted the largest collection of CHROs in person for over two years on the 3rd of November in London. Actually, Tessa West spoke at that and got a 100% excellence rate for her talk on wellness and well being, which is, a, again, an encouraging lead indicator that we're thinking along the right lines here. Uh, and we brought in uh, simply CHROs and their deputies from companies with over 5,000 employees. And uh, it, it is exceptionally rare, I think, to have this number level of people and it shows a little bit about our, the convening power that Mind Gym has uh, and our ability to help reframe the debate. So we're making these investments, we don't expect them to pay off in the next few weeks or months because of times buying cycles and times but they're all about investments for building for a sustainable position as a disruptor in the market and the go-to person for advice on culture and behavioral change in organizations. So for a little more detail on the financials I'll pass back to Richard.
0: Thank you, Octavius. As you will no doubt read and heard from Octavius, uh, we were really delighted to see that our headline revenue in constant currency increased by 7% on two years ago in a pre-COVID world. And that also was reflected in an increase in gross profit, mainly due to the product mix with the margin going up from 78.8% two years ago to 85.8% mainly because uh, delivering our, our workouts virtually is much more profitable for us. We've also seen an increase, as we've said, in the investments. As, as Octavia said, we're, we're continuing to reinvest our profits back into the business for future growth, and we've seen a lot of that um, in, in headcount, um, with headcount growing at 19% on two years ago. We have seen, as we want to, incentivize and retain talent. We've seen part of that cost as an increase in a share-based payments charge that uh, from grants we made earlier in the year. So a very sort of clean P&L and as you can see, a PBT of nil for the half year. And as we previously said, and just to remind everybody, our intention is to continue investing our surplus cash in the future growth of the business and, and not pay dividends. In terms of the balance sheet unsurprisingly we've seen a significant growth in the value of intangible assets on the balance sheet as the capital expenditure predominantly we spend on developing the new digital products is capitalized so we've seen that increase by 2.4 million in the first six months of this year to a current value of carrying value of 5.2 million we've also seen our net trade and receivables maintain its high level of around 8.2 million but back to similar levels as FY20. But really, really pleased that we've continued to make great progress on our overdue debt, reducing um, overdue debt from 24% of, of trade debtors two years ago to, to 10% this year. And even through COVID, we've never seen or had any sort of actual bad debt write-offs. So our client base is mainly sort of large large corporates, So it's mainly just a question of getting that cash in faster. As you can see, cash at 12 million is obviously down on where we were a year ago, but still a very healthy level as we continue to invest in the capital uh, of the business. On the creditor side, we've seen a higher level of deferred income to what we had two years ago effectively because of an increase in accruals and deferred income from when clients purchased products with us but they we weren't able to actually deliver during COVID. In terms of the cash flow, Just looking at it from a slightly different perspective, as you see cash generated from operations was a negative 1.2 million as we saw movements in our payables and other balances. The largest figure in the cash was the 2.8 million on capital expenditure of which 2.4 million was for the digital area. Back over to Octavius now for an update on our exciting new digital products.
2: Commissioner, thank you very much indeed. And yes, we are properly excited about our new digital products. We, we came to the market a little while ago uh, and said that our plans were to launch two new digital products. Uh, and the first of this would happen in this financial year. And I'm absolutely delighted that we are uh, fully on track to do that. And I want to share with you now about our new first digital in- digitally enabled product that is coming to market. And it's called Performer, And its promise is the coaching for the many. And this is a new market that is emerging where people who want the benefits of coaching but not the price points or the activity of people coming for in-person, one-to-one coaching exec sessions. They may still want a few of those, but actually what they want to do is to help address large numbers of leaders across their business with the benefits of coaching. But where do we start on this, Jenny? Well, we start in the fact that the current pandemic has brought the future to arrive an awful lot sooner. Things that were probably happening in any case have suddenly happened now. The phrase, the new abnormal, seems to resonate. Flexible working, which was emerging slowly and a subject for debate, suddenly has happened all over the world in an instant, with large numbers of white collar employees working from home, some if not all of the time. We've seen a growth in employee activism, in employees expecting their companies to stand for and position themselves on political issues. We've seen a redefinition of business models, much more focus on diverse workforces, and a very new uh, demand from employees and expectation that employers will look after their well-being in different ways and aspects. So 2020 saw a period of accelerated change. And off the back of that, what we saw was an appetite for coaching. The first thing was that the challenges of the workplace means that leaders are feeling overwhelmed. They're struggling to make decisions. It takes, on average, seven steps to get a decision made in an organisation at the moment. And I shouted to one client the other day. He said seven. God, I wish we could get it down to that. So the process of making things happen in big companies is quite tough, and there's an uh, overwhelming demand to do more in less time. And a sense of the scrutiny that comes from not just delivering results, but also behaving in a way that is appropriate for the modern era. Uh, and we saw more CEOs lose their job because of behavioral transgressions than we did see for financial underperformance. And this is an absolutely brand new trend. So, coaching is there uh, both to help solve immediate problems, but also to help increase resourcefulness for the continuous drumbeat of change and ever faster change. And these new skills are needed to help do we manage matrix teams and virtual teams, teams of people coming and going, the great resignation has meant I've got more new people joining. So the whole notion of team has taken on a a much more fluid, flexible and ephemeral nature. Uh, And it's also how do we increase their sense of accountability? How do we give people a sense of agency and also hold them responsible? And therefore a desire to to get ahead of the behaviors that might derail the business, that might lead to the exit of otherwise strong talent uh, before it's too late and those people have been forced or obliged to leave. So this has led to a great growth in coaching. But coaching is very interesting about whether it actually delivers results. And the green bar shows the self-reported improvements. So if you ask people, has coaching improved my performance, on average, the average person will say it's improved by a massive 78%. But when you do an objective set of measures against control groups and a longitudinal study over time, and we've done a meta-analysis which takes many different studies on the co- impact of coaching, using objective factors and combines them, you discover the actual increase in performance is closer to 3.6%. So you think coaching is really helping, but maybe it's more placebo than panacea. And one of the reasons for this, we suspect, is that in effect, the relationship between coach and coachee is not always that structured. Over a third don't have clear objectives before they start, but also it's based on matching the coach to the coachee, which becomes a proxy for likability. An interesting study just out of the states shows that the relationship between students' ratings of their professors in US uh, students are asked to rate their professors and their teachers and tenure is largely determined by the students' feedback, That's the most pop you'd think that the most popular professors would also get the better results in grades. But not only is that not the case, it's actually the opposite. They are inversely correlated. The more popular professors get worse results. And this is what may be happening in a lot of coaching because we're focusing on the wrong things, on likability, rather than on impact. And we're focusing on coach matching, which accounts for at most 8% of the differential in performance versus having a proven methodology that actually improves performance. So we're in a world now where people are short on time, things are changing fast, and everything's about getting results, results, results. And yet today's coaching is quite patient, quite episodic, It's all about the relationship. How do we get on? Do we like each other? And we think there's a need for a new methodology in coaching, which we've termed precision coaching. It's fast, it gets results, and it's focused on goals. I'll tell you a bit about what sits behind precision coaching. This is where our team of behavioral scientists come in and I talked about the innovation we've done in other areas. They've also been driving the innovation and creation of precision coaching, which is the intellectual underpinning of performer. It broadly takes three areas. One is from the world of psychotherapy where the most validated form of psychotherapy is something called solutions-based therapy. And what we're doing is taking a solution-focused approach where we understand what good enough would look like, what the tensions are likely to be in the future, what would success be, and then what are the steps back from that that would help us to get that. The second area is mastery. Again, really strongly validated. We like winning, most of us. We like getting a result and then building on that result. And therefore, mastery focuses on getting someone good at something before you move on to the next topic. In many coaching conversations, it starts with "Where do you want to go today?" or "What's on your mind?" And there's no continuous structure to this. There's no program over time. In performer, we keep people focused on solving a particular problem and learning of how to solve other problems like it before they then move on to the next subject. And the third area, which underpins everything that Mind Gym does, is about all the different factors that create for behavior change and for habit change. So we look not just at skills and capability but also, for example, opportunity. When do I get the chance to do this? Does the organizational context and the environment allow me to do it? What gets in the way about the opportunities that may or may not occur? And also motivation. Is it worth the hassle? Can I really be bothered? Am I more worried about it going wrong than about getting it right? So these are all factors that contribute to precision coaching which is the fundamental basis for MindGym's new Performer product. Now it's digitally enabled in the sense that I can find my coach, I fill in my diagnostics online, I book my sessions and so forth. And the journey is structured around four by 45 minute sessions. So at the beginning, I think, what's my challenge? You know, I've got this guy, Octavius, he's not really performing very well. I need to do something about that. And he used to be all right, but he's gone off the boil or whatever it happens to be and then I work with my coach to boil that problem down and to say well what do I do about specific, specifically about Octavius but generally about people who may have gone off the boil and then I, I work through in four by 45 minute sessions in order to build the skills and have a go hopefully tackling this tricky character Octavius and also uh, building the skills more broadly elsewhere and at the end of that, those four sessions, in our beta trials, everyone comes back saying, I've taken action as a result, and it's really helped improve the performance and get to the outcome that I was looking for. And then, of course, you can repeat the before and the next challenge you've got. So I've, I've done that particular challenge, but I've got a new challenge. I'm really having a tough time negotiating with suppliers or my boss is all, all over me micromanaging me and I need to get them off my back or whatever else it might be. And then you repeat the cycle of four by 45 and so on and so on. And this service is offered on a SaaS basis. So you buy a year's subscription for as many leaders or managers as you want. And we think it'll be predominantly focused on managers and managers up to, if you like, the level below the the exec suite. uh, And we'll be potentially maybe high potential groups or women in leadership or other uh, categories of people or groups of people that the business particularly wants to invest in. It also fits very neatly alongside MindGym's leadership development point of view. So we could run our leadership development program in groups and cohorts and then also provide performer giving consistent but supplementary and individual advice and guidance that uh, augments the program that we're already running. So it fits very neatly alongside the rest of MindGym's offer. Where we're at is that we launched it at the summit and we introduced it. We have one client who's already signed up. That's slightly previous because it's not quite off the stocks yet but they were so pleased with the beta trial that they said we don't mind if the app isn't completely ready to go we want to just get on with it so we've already signed and we're already running precision coaching sessions with them through the performer Uh, we've also got a number of people who come out of the summit who want to run what we're offering free trials in the first quarter next year so rq4 and we think this will then lead to significant conversions next year so we're we're really thrilled about how they're getting us off the stocks getting it out there the reactions so far and we'll obviously update you uh, at the full year with where that's going in terms of the success of the trials and, and indeed uh, in actual commercial investment interest that hopefully follows from that. We also have another digital product which we'll be launching next year. This is much more uh, about a, a digital platform that will augment and su- uh, complement the live sessions so that I get an ongoing journey that is partly live and partly digital and increasingly gives me the, the right nudges and clues and hints and tips uh, at the moment of need. So more of that to follow. So that's the summary of the digital to give you an update on that. And finally, to get to the current trading and outlook. And we're absolutely consistent with what we said at the beginning of the year, no change there at all continuing to grow revenues uh, onto the pre-COVID levels. We'll continue to invest in digital marketing, innovation, infrastructure, all about building for the long term for scalable growth. We're launching Performer, as I've just mentioned. There is another level of uncertainty, for sure, with the new variant of COVID arriving, we found a number of also found interestingly enough, a lot of our clients have suddenly gone on holiday two weeks earlier than they expected because they've accrued so much holiday during the COVID period that they're banking that now. We've got changes in travel regulations coming up. So there's a whole range of things that we just can't quite be sure of. Um, nonetheless, we've shown that whatever happens, we are resilient. We are capable, we are strong, we have good brands, good relationships uh, and the the business will continue to flourish. So our full year expectations remain broadly unchanged. Thank you for coming. And I just want to finally say a massive thank you to Richard uh, for all that he's done. He's been my buddy and companion through these investor presentations over these last three years, nine months uh, from IPO through to today. And it's been an absolute pleasure working with you, Richard. Thank you very much and wish you every success.
0: Many thanks, Octavius. I wish, mind you, all the success. There's huge potential out there. And I'm sure with Don's expertise at the, at the helm, uh, you're in a very good chance to, to seize all that opportunity.
1: PI World videos and
0: podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.